Hey there, welcome to Better Words. I'm Michelle and I'm from the Unfinished Bookshelf. And I'm Caitlin and I'm just a bookish babe. So, today we are finally back to doing like normal episodes. Yeah, we're recording <laughs> a, a little intro um, for, well, to go before an episode, but I'm not going to tell you who the guest is because you should wait to find out. You have to listen to us before you get to the cool people. And also, like, it's probably in the episode description, so... Oh, yeah, like, you know. You know. <laughs> Whatever. What have you been up to? I have actually been re-watching Glee. Oh. I love Glee. I don't really know why I started re-watching it. I'm not, like, re-watching it, like, religiously or anything. Pretty much, actually, just on weekends. Are you just doing, like, going from the start, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went from the start. I started a couple of weeks ago... Um, I'm in up to season three now. It's just so good. Oh my god. Oh, so sad though. So like, I just want to mention this for for the Gleeks, but oh my god, I had forgotten that this had happened. So obviously we know that Cory Montez unfortunately died. Yeah. Too soon. Um, rest in peace, Cory. But um, in the show that was obviously like not planned the whole show was pretty much about Rachel and Finn yeah um, what did they do in well since this is before obviously um, at, like at the start of season three Finn got Rachel a star for Christmas but named it Finn Hudson because there was already a star on earth named Rachel Berry so Aww. like then in the show when he has like I think I remember them they mentioned it later but I had like forgotten when it actually happened or whatever and it was like there's a star named Oh, <laughs> So sad. It's so sad that there's, like, something like that. That. Oh, love um, <laughs> That was obviously completely not planned. They didn't kill off his character. The actor died so yeah. suddenly and so sadly. Oh, so sad. On the plus side. Sorry for the interruption, everyone. So just to explain, I haven't got any fans in my house yet. Um, and so we left the door, like the French door open to my study slash podcast studio um, because it's really hot in Rockhampton. And like I have a yeah. towel to like keep wiping my face. It's the end of November. I'm sweating buckets. Google it. Um, I miss the UK. <laughs> Um, and it seems like our neighbours behind us. I was like, Caitlin, it's fine. It's quiet. And then it seems like our neighbours just have some visitors just at the, um, the right time. So, um, we apologise for any interruptions, but it's really hot. Yeah. Health and safety reasons. We had to keep the door open. Yes, exactly. Um. Anyway, so Glee. Yeah, no, I just, oh, it's like, I forget, you know, people, lots of people, you know, I understand the show is not for everybody, Mm. but like watching it back actually so good and like so clever and like I know this happens with all of our favorite shows some of the later seasons aren't as as good aren't as fantastic but by then I loved the characters and the actors so much I did not care just keep going um is Becca in it yet no okay she arrives in season four so I'm almost at Becca so that's Becca Tobin one lady one third of the lady gang um she played Kitty Wilde in seasons four five and six of Glee um, so I'm not quite there yet, but I'm so excited. That's so exciting. Yes. I love that girl. Oh. Anyway, so yeah, if you don't know, we're a little bit obsessed with the Lady Gang. Yeah. We love our Lady Gang. Um, actually, and how I found the Lady Gang was, was Becca yeah. and they interviewed Lee Michelle in like their third episode or something. 
And that's is, the one I started with. You told me to start with that one, and that's what I started with. Yeah, well, because I thought at least you would sort of you know, know who she was, yeah. so it helped out a bit. Yeah. But, um, yes, so love the lady game. But what I've actually been currently listening to and obsessed with. Wait, let me guess. Is it Taylor Swift? Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, say whatever you want about Taylor Swift. Girl is smart. Yeah. I actually watched on Gruen last mm. week. They had a whole episode about Taylor Swift. What? Really? Smarting. Oh, my goodness. Because I should watch that. I love that Gruen. It's, it was so interesting. And, like, I was watching it with my housemate, and there was a couple of things that they mentioned that, like, you know, Taylor – you know, all of these different branding things that go with her brand and her changing her brand for reputation and then marketing the album, like, all these different things, obviously. But um, they mentioned how she does, like, the special deluxe edition albums at Target in the US. Oh. And they were, like, talking about it like it was whatever. And I was like, she's done that since, like, Speak Now. <laughs> like, yeah. this is not a new thing. Yeah. You know, she's not, you know, all of those different aspects of how she interacts with her fans like the secret listening sessions and the deluxe albums and like all of these things have not changed. That is so cool. Yeah. That is really interesting. It's really interesting. Mm. Also, everyone keeps talking about different things linking from like previous albums. Like oh. Call It What You Want is supposedly like part two of like a love story. She's yeah. not calling it a love story anymore. You know, all these yeah. different things. One thing that I have noticed that I feel like no one is talking about is that Look What You Made Me Do. The first, yeah, yeah, the first single, sort of in response to the media ish, mm-hmm. not quite like blank space, but like like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the sixth song on the album. Yeah. So was "Shake It Off." "Shake It Off" was the first single, yeah. so it was like she was all like, "Oh, shake it off, whatever," and tried to be all okay with it, whatever. And now it's like, "Oh, look what you made me do." Okay. I just think that's I'm like, going to pretend I know where you're ugh. going with this, but I'm not across yes. Taylor, so. All right. You know, she can do a catchy tune, though. I'll give her that. Yeah. That's probably enough of me talking about <laughs> things that no one else analyses as much as I do. So. No, it's okay. Like, <laughs> hello, you put up with my Beatles rant, so it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, actually, what we have been watching, um, or what I finally finished watching, I know you are a huge fan of as well. I finally finished season three of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. It's so clever. Can we just talk? Okay, so the Lemonade parody. That was amazing. amazing. That was amazing. So good. I loved it. Did you get the Chandler reference? Like when they did the Chandler reference too and Kimmy was like, could you be this? And then they were like, oh, Chandler, Kimmy, that's low. I was like, oh, Caitlin would love that. I was always going to text you yesterday when I watched it. Yeah, she has all these like 90s references obviously because it's like all the culture she knows. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. Oh, I loved it. It The Lemonade thing was so good. I was so sad though. <laughs> um, can, uh, I don't want to do any spoilers, but um, what happened with? Oh my god, I can't even remember her name. Blonde, what's her name? The rich one. Oh, Jacqueline. Jacqueline, that's right. What happened with her at the end? I was actually really sad about, but like, like go you girl, but also a bit sad. I love Jacqueline. I actually love her now. Like, I always love her. She's so she's like she's so misguided, but like you can tell her heart's in the right place. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, love Kimmy Schmidt. I, is there going to be a fourth season? I have no idea. I hope so. It's so smart. I love it. It's, it is. Yeah. It's very smart. It's very contemporary too. It's very too. silly. 
Yeah. I, I remember one time, I think I've said this before, probably when I was watching the third season, um, I was watching it with my brother and my dad came in and he was like, you know, all of like the random things that all those characters say, yeah. he was just like, what are you watching? And I didn't even know how to explain it. Because, yeah, like, it's how so do you weird. Kimmy Schmidt? But it's great. Um, it's, the yeah. other thing I found, I'm not like quite sold on yet, but I heard about it on My Favourite Murder and that is Toast of London. Never heard of it. Tell me about it. Um, it's kind of weird. Like, it's, I don't even know what it is. Okay, so he's like an actor, I think. But he's just really weird. It's the, the main guy is the, he was the boss on the IT crowd. So people will know him from there. Like a suit, but. Chris O'Dowd. Is he the boss? No, he, no, they, they, that, he was an IT crowd. Oh, like a different character. Oh, yeah, okay, like sorry. this was the boss of the company. Right. In the IT crowd. Um, so Chris O'Dowd was the first person. Yeah. So he, it was funny though, because now I've watched him so much and like, since I introduced Jack to the IT crowd, bless him, he has just, I, I, he watches it over and over and over again. Like I come out and like, are you watching this again? Like, I love it. It's great. Mm. But since I've watched this guy be the boss in that, like I can't picture him as any other character. And I guess his character is sort of like, he's, it's just a weird show, but Jack and I are like strangely intrigued by it. We started it together and then I was just like, this is so bizarre. Mm. But I had it's that. really have weird. Have you seen that show on Netflix? I would. I doubt you would have watched it, but there was a show on Netflix. It was released a couple of months ago. It's like Friends from College. Yeah, I remember you telling me not to bother watching it because I wouldn't like it. Yeah, no, you won't like it. But and to be honest, I don't think I did. Yeah. But I watched it all the way through, and like yeah. if they made a second season, I would watch, watch it. it because I was just like, it was it was intriguing. Yeah. Is the right word because they were all horrible people, but they were just like. I don't know, the way they were treating each a, other and everything. I guess this is the same as the IT crowd. Um, oh, no, the IT crowd's good. Oh, the IT crowd is brilliant, but the stuff that happens in it is just, like, the most bizarre shit ever. Mm. And I think Toast of London is sort of the same. It's just, like, bizarre situations that are totally out of the everyday. But with the – and I think it took me a while to warm up to the IT crowd, but it's still – I'm not sold on Toast of London, so I'll have to get back to you and let you know okay. a few more episodes. Um, the other thing that I'm currently still obsessed with and have been watching throughout my holiday and everything, I started it on holiday, is The Crown. I haven't watched that so yet. Finally, I finally watched it and I love I really it so it. much. It's gorgeous. You should watch it before the second season comes out on the 8th of December, <laughs> <laughs> which is your birthday. Yes, it is. Um, so you should definitely watch it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Speaking Paula of my boy, I think is her name, um, is amazing as Elizabeth. Love it. Okay. So much. See, I've heard, I've heard nothing but good things. I just somehow have watched oh, it. Oh, and you know Jules and Sarah, which I love. Yeah. Jules did the spray tans for the, the actors on there. <laughs> what? I know. <laughs> that's so cool. Global spray tanning company. So Jules one hat did all the spray tans. Oh, that's so He was cool. talking about it on the podcast. I was like, oh, that's so what cool. What spray tans would they need to be British? Well, sure, they're just pale. No, no. Excuse me. Apologise to our British listeners, please. But like, <laughs> there I'm are pale. plenty of pale Australians, Caitlin. Um, yeah, me. But no, no. Um, Prince Philip that came from the Greek islands, and they lived in Malta for a while. So it, in the first few episodes, they have to be all like, look like they've lived in Malta for a while. Oh, okay, fair enough. So 
But but when, when I say fake tan, I don't mean like the only way is Essex fake tan. I just mean like it's a subtle, like that's why he's yeah. a professional because it's just yeah. like a healthy glow. I know. Yeah. But like I didn't. That is the when reaction. Said, that yeah. is the reaction Sarah had as well on Jules and Sarah. She was like, what? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it makes sense when you watch the show, you'll see he has to look like he's been out in the sun and yeah. um, obviously. Yeah, been holding. Yeah. 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 And has like grown up on a Greek island sort of stuff so you can't really tell it's not like he's there like being like a cheese puff prince philip like no. yeah uh, no i hope not oh, fun fact funny. my dad met the queen and prince philip really yeah at expo 88 cool i know he spoke to them his dad had a um a senate tie on and prince philip was like is that the does that mean you're a senator and dad was like no no i'm just wearing this tie that like prince philip knew and dad's always like oh He's so knowledgeable on all the different symbols and stuff that he would know that that's a tie for a senator and all that. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Did you see that um, the Queen made Prince Philip a knight for their 70th wedding anniversary? <laughs> <laughs> um, but Tony Abbott already made him one, so, like, why did he make one? <laughs> oh, yes, my gosh. No, so I didn't Prince see Philip that. Is now a knight. I didn't so see that. Although he wouldn't be Sir Prince Philip because that's two, like, titles. And, yeah, no, so, so I think not, Sir is like lower than I don't know. I don't really I don't understand know. the British hierarchy. Anyway, this know. show I saw is something about that anniversary night. Anyway, this show is yeah. brilliant. I get the hype. It's so good. Watch it. I love it. Mm. I'm so into it. It's got all this political intrigue as well as all the um like royal glamour. Yeah, the royal glamour, but then like all the drama of like the abdication. Well, the abdication isn't in it because. Her father is already king when the show starts. But um, is it Edward? Anyway, his brother comes back with, like, for, for funerals and stuff and it's, like, the tension between him having left for yeah. Wallace Simpson and it's really fascinating. Yeah. It's so good. I have found the history of it so fascinating because there was obviously I, I a lot that I didn't know Winston happened. Churchill was prime minister twice. Oh, neither Yeah, he came back and that's, what, that's where he is in the show. Oh, that's cool. Hmm. But, yeah, I mean, obviously there's, like, a lot that happened there. And obviously there's a lot that has happened with our royals since. But, like, there was so much that happened there that somehow, you know, I mean, Queen has been Queen for, like, what, 65 years? What are we up to? She I can't remember. 60, she was, it was 60 a couple of years ago. So she's yeah. probably nearly 65 years on the throne. Yeah. She's amazing for that. Mm, like, I the know. longevity of that is insane. incredible. Like, I'm incredible. that. I yeah. know. Yeah. I know. Anyway, um, <laughs> have you been reading anything? Because I still have not been with the movie. Oh, I've like I don't think I've picked up a book in days, which is yeah. so sad. I finished um, the start of Me and You by Emily Lord on oh. Tuesday uh, last week. This week, yeah. By the time I say it, it was last week. Anyway, <laughs> um, it was. I wasn't expecting this. Of course, this always happens. I wasn't expecting to completely love it this much. I thought it was going to be like a, you know, like a light, like an okay, like yeah, like, a, like it, like an but... okay light contemporary read. And it was so good. Like at the very end, when like the two characters like get together, which I hope is not a spoiler because it's like a YA contemporary. They get together, guys. Um, it's how they get there, which is the yeah. bit that matters. Yeah. But um, yes. At the, a very, very sweet bit at the very end. I, like, read through and, like, kept reading to, like, finish the book and then, like, went back and read it all again. Oh, that's <laughs> so, so cute. So sweet. I think, though, that when you go into book 
with a kind of low expectation you have better and that's why I don't read blurbs I mean we've linked it multiple times in our newsletter but um I've done posts on why I don't read blurbs because it gives you an expectation for the book and I think that in like if you go in with no expectations you might really enjoy a book that otherwise you might have thought I'm gonna love it so much and then if it doesn't meet those expectations it's a disappointment whereas if you go in with none then anything is good yeah I mean I thought I was going to like it I didn't think Emery Lord you know I've heard her name seen those ones she also has written what's it called When We Collided and like I've seen the colour yeah yeah. we've seen she's familiar all those beautiful colours you know we've seen them and um I just wasn't sure if it was going to like live up I tried not to have too much expectations mm. about it usually with books like that I'm like I'm probably not gonna love it as every other freaking blog <laughs> has yeah but yeah that's why I haven't read John Green's new book because I think I'm past it I don't yeah. think I read it but yeah um so before we go on to our really exciting interview with our special guest which is obviously all about books Um, We just wanted to let you guys know that um, we do have a weekly newsletter um, where we give you a little taster of what we've been reading because sometimes by the time we get down to record this, we might be talking about stuff we read a few months ago over the next few weeks. Yeah, Yeah. over the next few weeks I'll be talking about some things I read on my holiday and obviously that's a while ago now. So if you want to be up to date with what we are doing at the moment and what we're reading and loving right now, sign up for our newsletter. The newsletter is current? It's usually put together the night before. So it's very current. <laughs> very current. <laughs> um, and it's just a really little shot of what we're reading and watching this weekend. Uh, as well as links sorry, to... Sorry, this week. Yeah. As well as links to everything you need, like our show notes on our website, our respective blogs, all of our social media links um, are all in there. So it's really... We're just like handing you everything on a simple letter. <laughs> all you have to do is go to our website, betterwordspodcast.com, and sign up. There's a little thing in the corner. And if we're reading something or watching something that you love as well, like do tweet us or flick us a message or DM on Instagram or anything. We'd love to hear from you guys what you guys are reading and loving at the moment um, because that makes it all more fun for us. So enough talking from us. Here's the episode, um, well, the interview rather, and we hope you really enjoy it. This week's guest was a social media and digital specialist at one of our favourite bookstores, Dimmix, and has just returned to the publishing industry as a product executive at Hachette. She's worked at bookshops during uni and worked in publishing before joining the Dimmix team. She also blogs at My Cup and Chaucer, which we love a punny name. Welcome to Better Words to Neil. Thank you so much. It's so weird hearing a little spiel about what you That's all right. You've got to, you know, introduce you properly. Thanks for yeah. joining us. No, no worries. It's lovely to talk to you. One thing I do want to ask you about is um, I'm actually in social media as well. I'm a social media officer. And I want to ask you, what kind of things did you have to do in, like, your day-to-day role when you were when you were working at Dimmix? Right. So um, over the past three years, if you have ever sent the main Dimmix books um, Facebook account or Twitter account or Instagram account a message, I've been the one responding to it, um, which has been pretty amazing. <laughs> Um, so I got to, I guess, put out all of the content across those three channels. Um, and we, we have Pinterest and LinkedIn and a couple of other ones as well, but I guess those first three are like the primary ones that we yeah. used. Um, and I also put content up on the blog, which was really fun. And I hosted the Dimmicks podcast, which, you know, you think that 
after doing that for a while and have experience, but I'm actually quite nervous about talking to you. But if you've ever listened to the Jimmy podcast, that's me as well. Wow. Um, I'm sure you probably have yeah. more podcast experience than we do. <laughs> <laughs> it's still like every time you do it, it's nerve-wracking because I guess like, you know, you never know what someone's going to say. Um, and I've been to these authors and some of them, um, they have a lot to say and you're just like, oh, okay, this is going in a very different direction. Yeah, we've kind of found that too with a few people that we've spoken with. But um, who was your favourite person to interview? Oh, that's so tricky. Probably um, my favourite person, and I've actually recorded. I think we ended up at four or five podcasts together. Is Rachel Johns, the rural romance author from WA? Oh, yeah. cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, rural romance is oh, such a huge so following, like, isn't it? It's so captivating. <laughs> Obviously, there'll be very big social media channels mm. for Dimmick Sydney. Um, and, oh, my God, yeah, so much That's, work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, being it's a national company. Though. I mean, like, I guess if you guys follow me personally, you know mm. how much I love books. So it was <laughs> kind of like a perfect job. Um, but yeah. I think there is that, I guess, the idea that people in books get to just sit there and read all day. But I promise you that's not true. I wish it was. <laughs> yeah, no. And I think that's one thing I've found, um, especially in my role, you know, other people, it's probably a bit different um, depending on where you work, but um, other people at my company are sort of like, so, you know, they don't quite know everything that I do, you know, like they don't realise that, you know, there's like strategies and plans and promotional plans and things, all these different things that go into social media. And it's like, I'm not just posting on Facebook when we have morning tea or whatever, you know, like... I'm not just doing when it randomly. Started, yeah, no, no, I'm sorry to cut you off, but no, when right. I first started, my mum was like, so you'll just be sitting on Facebook all day. I'm like, no, mum, that's, that's no. No, no. <laughs> it's so much more than that. Exactly. Yeah. So for the Dimix blog, did you have to write a lot of those, or was it other staff curated content as well? It was probably a mix of things. So mm. um, I guess naturally in Dimix, you kind of, you assume that everyone reads a lot, and it's yeah. true, just not at work. Um, <laughs> I like to get people's opinions on, on what they're reading because we've got a lot of people in the head office or we did when I was there um, who they just read so widely like we've got people who read basically exclusively YA and then sci-fi and um, horror or crime and so it was really great being able to kind of pull everyone's um, I guess diverse reading interests together and yeah. say here's a book that's coming out in August that you may not have heard about um, so that was really fun and we also got some Q&A and blog post, like text posts from authors. Oh, yeah. That was always really nice to give people sort of a bit of a, a deeper look into the minds of their favourite authors. Yeah, that's awesome. Was it hard to resist temptation with all the new books like you're promoting? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> my, um, when we, before we um, started recording this podcast, you were talking about having a room as a studio. I live in a three-bedroom house. I'm renting in a three-bedroom house and um, the third 
Oh my god! So cool. You'll have to send us a photo so we can show everyone because I'm pretty sure I've messaged you once from your Instagram story, just being like, "Oh my goodness, your shelves are incredible!" So you'll yeah. have to you'll have to let us know, like, send us a pic so we can put it up for people to see because it's so cool. Yeah, I know. I I think I really want to do that just like for everyone else because, like we said, we sort of mentioned this before we started recording. But um, me, Caitlin, I'm looking at sort of moving um in the near future. Hopefully, I will have been you know, living somewhere different by the time this airs. But um, if I end up with an extra bedroom, guess what? That's our library and podcast studio. <laughs> so, yeah. That's a perfect yeah. working environment, really, oh. surrounded by books. Yeah. I mean, I've always loved having a bookshelf in my bedroom and um, obviously since I started blogging, the books have expanded to the lounge room <laughs> and the dining room. And, you know, because I kind of – I still live with my dad, I'm, I've – have most of my stuff in my room anyway it's not as spread out as I would if I was living by myself but um I think a book like bookshelves make a home feel like a home like I've always thought that and whenever I go to interview someone and I have to go to their house if they have a bookshelf I'm totally scoping it out I look at everyone's bookshelves yeah even even if it's even if they've only got dvds same thing like I want to see what you like watching exactly I want to see the same things exactly yeah, I do that. No, all the time. I completely get it. And like the one half of the third room in the house as well is my books, but the other side of the room is my partner's books. And so oh. when we have people over, they kind of just like wander into the room and we're like, it's fine, we'll bring you a drink in half an hour, you'll be a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just look at all the, yeah. I know, I'm pretty sure it's been like my dream my whole life to have like a library in my mm-hmm. house. So. Yeah. And I, my dream, dream is, like, library, but also with one of those cute little window seat nook things. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so cute. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked. We're getting so off topic. <laughs> so tell us about working in the publishing industry. You worked in the publishing industry a couple of years ago and you've just moved back. How come you want to, like, why did you want to start working in that space again, you know, move away from social media? And marketing. I think, yeah, I I started in publishing in Brisbane, um, and I absolutely loved it. And I moved to Sydney to work in publishing, and that was always sort of my plan. Um, uh-huh. And then the Dimmick job popped up, and I was like, well, this isn't part of the plan, but like, holy heck, how could I not apply for this yeah. job? Yeah, <laughs> I <reckon>. <laughs> <laughs> No, I've been sitting here and this so whole time, like, okay, next dream job. How, how can, can I get this? Yeah. yeah. How can I? Is your position filled yet, Danielle? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just, I love, and this is going to sound so, um, I guess it's slightly pretentious, but it's also perfect for the job I just come into. I love being the first to know about a book. Mm, um, yeah. And, you know, to have that kind of, I guess, inside knowledge to be like, well, in 18 months' time, when this book comes out, because the publishing houses work so far in advance. Um, mm you just you know what's coming and it's impossible not to get excited and thrilled by like knowing your friend who reads I don't know I suppose um, psychological thrillers they're going to read this amazing one in about a year's time um but I guess yeah that would be really it, exciting actually <laughs> probably feels like yeah. you're keeping secrets but then the hard part is when people are like oh I just read this amazing book and you forget what month it is and you've got no idea what's in and what's out um mm. so I guess that that's but like the blogging I don't think helps keep me reminded of what's actually out at the moment because it's kind of rude to be like, oh, I'm reading the best book, but you can't read it. It's a month <laughs> yeah. 2019 <laughs> yeah. or something. Like, way to make people like, 
tell. That's really funny. That yeah. would be a bit mean, actually. It would be, but it's great to be back. And I love what Hachette are doing. They've published some really great books over the yeah. last few years, um, and they're just so exciting. So I'm really thrilled to be part of their team now. Oh, yeah, and also, they have the coolest read bookshelves in their office. So I visited once in Sydney, which we'll put a photo up. Um, and they, yeah, they spell out read and they've got books on them and they're yeah. so cool. That's really And cool. they're color-coded. Yeah, I it's so awesome cool. I love awesome-shaped bookshelves like that. Yeah. You know, like I see some people have like circular ones and I'm like, that's mm. awesome. Yeah. I only have like straight like Let's be honest, it would be a bit hard for my bookshelf OCD though, like. My, yeah. <laughs> it would that would stress me anyway um so Tanil, can you like kind of talk us through a bit how you go about actually marketing a new book so you've got a new book especially if it's like a debut author and you know no one's ever heard of it how do you go about deciding how you're going to promote it and build that excitement when like for the year or whatever that leading up to the publication day great series name, doesn't it? <laughs> That's all right. Keep going. <laughs> so Jane won the, um, I think it was the Victorian Premier's Literary Prize for an mm-hmm. unpublished manuscript for this book and Panic Millen picked it up. And I remember, um, it was before, just before Christmas 2015, I guess one of the other perks of working for Dimmick was that we did get um, books in advance. Publishers had that reading copies and stuff and that was, that was very amazing. Um, <laughs> but I remember getting this book on my desk and it was just this red, unassuming book and it said on the front the best book of 2016 and I was like well that is a wildly outrageous claim to <laughs> yeah. 2015 yeah um, it kind of is yeah they just they built this massive buzz around this book and I feel, I feel like by the time it finally came out um, midway through 2016 everyone was talking about it um, barely anyone had read it but everyone was like oh that's the book you have to read and people were like why and they're like I have no idea you have to read yeah. it just trust me this is the must-read book of the year. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there's so many different elements that play into what makes a successful book marketing campaign. Um, social media helps. I like I get a lot of my book recommendations from Instagram. Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of the best places to go to. Um, I trust a lot of people on there with probably more than I trust the people in real life, which goes to say <laughs> <laughs> their recommendations. Yeah, that's um, what you mean. Just, just. Do you find that, like, if you know that you're, like, one of you is buying a book 
the other won't. And they'll be like, oh, will you buy that one? And I'll buy this one. And then we can swap them. We've done that a couple of we times. But the one that we both, yeah, we both bought Take Three Girls. Yeah. That was actually yeah, the only one we that's... bought that was the same. Because we do obviously both really want to read that one. Um, no, I mean, we obviously, like I said, we live near each other and everything. We swap books all the time. Michelle has had... A Thousand Splendid Sons on her bookshelf that she borrowed from me for, like, half the year. She hasn't read it yet. Story of the great my thing life. Exactly. Like, you borrow a book from someone and they're like, are you going to read it now? And you're like, no, sorry. Um, I'll probably read it in about six months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I've already taken photos of it for Instagram, so I'll have to read it sometime. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, anyway. So you mentioned that you were in the States. You went to BEA, didn't you? I did, yeah. Um, not to so I went to Book Expo, not Book Con, which is okay. a different thing that happened. Um, yeah, that was just it was my first time in the states. Oh, and really? That's I exciting. Just kind of. I was like stalking amazing. your snaps. It was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you had an amazing time. Well, we decided instead of getting roaming for um, our Australian mobile providers that we would just get SIM cards for our phones while we were over there. Yeah. Um, which actually ended up being way cheaper, and I yeah, usually Instagram the whole story and the whole, the whole trip. It was so good. That's good. I'm sure everyone appreciated that. I don't yeah. Know, I mean, Michelle obviously yes, did. it was so good. Right. So um, tell, tell us a bit about it, though. What you so, know, kind of things did you get to do at BA? Um, I guess what they've tried to do over the past couple of years is they've tried to separate um, the book expo and the book con, and so they mm-hmm. kind of make the book expo publishers and publishing people and librarians and teachers and booksellers and the book content is for the bloggers and the Yeah, because yeah. mm. I feel like um, it, it kind of probably exploded a few years ago when I started seeing all these bloggers going to it and I suppose that wasn't always the case. It's only grown as blogging it, has grown. Exactly, and it wouldn't have always been the intention of the event yeah. either. So yeah, that's exactly. really cool. Yeah, um, and some of it wasn't they had gone to and I'm in that August position now where I don't actually remember who they were, but they were amazing. So I know that at one point they had um, Dan Brown was meant to be going and he actually ended up pulling out the terrible example, but he was like, oh. that's the kind of big name caliber of people that they have there. Yeah, um, yeah. Raymond Rao was there and a really popular young that. adult author. Mm. so amazing. Um, mm. But with Book Expo, yeah, they have definitely tried to shift the focus back to being for um, Like, cool. So I'm picking up this book here 
here at 2 o'clock, and then I've got to be at that 3 by 3 30, and then up at the next one by 3, and um, wow. it's hectic. <laughs> God, that does sound yeah. really hectic. Yeah. But it's amazing. I mean, you get to hear about so many books, and um, the best part now, I guess, is that some of them are starting to come out in Australia. So in September, um, a new book came out called My Absolute Darling by Gabriel Talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and we heard about that at Book Expo, and I remember how excited everyone there and so it's kind of fun seeing that sort of loop around now. Now it's out of the stores and Australian readers are loving it and it's just, yeah, it was really fun to see that. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so um, you kind of have a unique, oh, a bit of a unique perspective because obviously like working from the publishing marketing side of things but also from like the Dimmicks social media marketing side of things. How big of a role do you see social media um, and especially like you know, influencers like bloggers, Instagrammers, YouTubers and stuff. How big of a role do you see them playing in the publishing industry in the future and how has that changed even during your time working in the industry? It's really significant. Um, I remember there was a time that Dimmick, I think it was last year, gosh, I don't remember. I'm shocking with time. Um, <laughs> it just goes so fast. <laughs> I know, it was like 50 years old, yeah, I don't remember. Um, but no, I remember seeing a spike on our website searches for a particular book and it just came out of nowhere. It was a book that was about two or three years old and there was no read and it hadn't been shortlisted for an award or something. We could think about why it would be picking up. Um, and I love YouTubers and bloggers and I love watching one of Zoella's vlogs that night and she talked about the book. Mm. She didn't oh. her vlog. She was like, oh, I'm, I'm reading this and then all of a sudden, you know, we saw like this huge spike in searches for it. And wow, I thought, that's, that's really very interesting. interesting. That's um, like obviously a direct response to that. Yeah. And you don't hear about that kind of effect that often, I don't think. So that's really no, interesting. No, definitely not. And then not long after that, um, Waterstones, the main book retailer in the UK, obviously picked up on that as well because they introduced us our book club. Yeah. Um, and it was it's like that monthly, I think it's monthly or every couple of months when she picks books and the first one it's dropped or did you drop off a little bit with the subsequent ones but the first one I think they announced something like 10 books with it mm-hmm. um and every single one of them was in our collection vaults for a couple of days after the people were announced and just like yeah. how how can one person like that's that's amazing. amazing and actually what I love with that Zoella campaign in particular is that then Waterstones were very clever in when they introduced the book club they then introduced special like Zoella book club covers which were exactly. like special edition covers which was such a clever marketing move I think and I mean it is really clever it's yeah. kind of the same thing that we've been saying with like all these new editions of Harry Potter it's mm. like how many do you oh want me God. to own because of course I will buy yeah. them and then like obviously that gets people in but then if if because I think I feel like Fangirl was one of them but I definitely know Beautiful Broken Things by Sarah Bernard or Sarah Bernard was on the list yeah um and I feel like Fangirl was on there too so well, yeah, if there are lots of, of different colors. and there are lots of people who who love Fangirl and will collect that because it's a new edition yeah. um so it was that was a really cool move but Even on their the, part very clever this is another book that i've recommended to michelle that she hasn't read i have a copy of fangirl just on it which is the original like mint green but mm. then i bought it for michelle for christmas like the same year and i could only get like the pale yellow color mm-hmm. so different yeah yeah, yeah. I, th- I, I think I they've got like three or four versions of fangirl mm. i think yeah 
yeah. that, that um, the way that some people collect different editions of books absolutely fascinates me. Um, yeah. So probably the, the number one Australian author I can think of that happening with is Jay Kristoff and his Nevernight series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, like, there are people out there who have these photos and they've got every um, reading copy that was available and, like, every hardback and every paperback. And they end up with, like, ten copies of the same book because they're all different. And I'm just like, I look at them and I think, like, I applaud your... Yeah, yeah, your dedication. Like, what are you going to do with 10 copies of the one book? I know. Yeah. The only, the only books, here, like, books that I can really this. allow myself yeah. to do that with is Harry Potter. And yeah. I am I think I am up to about six editions of Philosopher's Stone, unfortunately. So, <laughs> yeah. And at least two of every other one. Mm. I guess the other thing with um, social media playing a role in um, I guess the sales of books and the interest in books, as we mentioned earlier, that we get all about recommendations for books from Instagram, yeah. or most of them. Um, and I just find that, you know, a long time ago, maybe even not that long ago, people would pull out like their Sunday paper or something for their book recommendations. But I mean, yeah. we probably trust bloggers and Instagrammers and stuff like that way more now. With them. Yeah. You know, well, you kind of find someone with specific reading interests with you, and you're like, all right, cool, I'm watching onto you and reading the reading you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Someone who you've got similar taste to. Yeah. The yeah. other thing about Instagram um, is it makes me want to find particular covers because I want nice covers for photos. So yeah. one really good example was like um, Graham Norton's new book, Holding. I found that in – we were searching for books in Brisbane and I found a copy in Dimmix and it was like the larger trade paperback size and it wasn't the cover that I'd seen on Goodreads and I didn't really love it so I was like oh no I'll put it back and then we were in another bookshop and I found the smaller UK edition and I was like oh I'm gonna get that because it was a really nice illustrated cover and it was just like I mean I think I've still had that I, I still would have had that preference I think anyway without Instagram but I think I definitely see it more yeah amplified you see different covers a lot more yeah <laughs> my yeah. brother actually um my younger brother has been reading the I am number four series and he had the first one which is like a movie edition and then for his birthday last year I bought him the like the next two in the series I forget I think it's like Fall of the rise of six and the fall of nine or something like that. I yeah, can't remember yeah. what they're called, but um, and we actually just got a QBD bookstore in Rockhampton. And the first thing that he told me, because he went, and he's been there already. I haven't made it yet, but he was like, "I found the rest of the I'm Number Four series," and he was like, "And they're the same covers of the ones that you bought me." And he's like, "So my series will match." And I was like, "That's awesome! Oh God, I raised you so right." Good. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I've taught him well. <laughs> About books. Yeah. But it can be so frustrating when you start reading a series. Like, I think I saw someone on um, Twitter talking about this the other day. I think it was the Cassandra Clare series. And, you know, it's been out for a long time. Um, but if you're reading her kind of spin off series, the, um, oh gosh, I can't think of the name. Oh, of it. the Lady um, like, Midnight. Like Lady one? Midnight. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, they're they all, look different, um, don't they? They do. And they're in the big trade paperbacks. But if you started reading a series maybe like a year ago and you bought them all in a smaller format, trying to match them up together and people just like no, 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 I don't I don't want to read them like this well, I know and we've <laughs> talked about happens. that before even not with series but just with very popular authors like Jodie Picou yeah. and um, Cecilia Hearn or Monica yeah. Hearn 
or the one that's just happened with me because I'm starting to buy her books. I've listened to them all on audio is Kate Morton. Yeah. So I have like right. her newest release I got at the time in the large trade paperback, but then since then they're all like the smaller sizes. So I'll have to like, yeah. it'll be like the odd one out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm like, I can totally see both sizes back. Because mm. they're like, oh, we've had this author on our list for like 10 or 12 years. Yeah. 
literally like a couple of days before I started at my first real adult job. Um, they were like, don't you want to break the mind? No. Um, I, I really missed it and I worked with the Queensland government for two years. That's my only sort of non-publishing, non-bookish time of my, like, I guess, full-time working life. And yeah, career. I think I was probably... probably pick the 
whatever I wanted. I felt like in publishing, and I just have to have permission listening to it. That's right. This is a pretty drastic situation. Yeah. It's okay. I always get yeah. super anxious, so I'm like, oh, my gosh, what if that happens and I can never go online again? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I get so into I it. I think the biggest fear is that my favorite authors are getting really old. Mm. And so you just wonder, every time they bring out a new book, you're like, is this the last one I'm ever going to read from them? Like, you know, and it's really scary to think, yeah, that sort of thing you might never be able to read anything new again. I'd be like, oh. Oh my god, I've never thought of that before. Now you've just like instilled this huge fear in me. Oh my this god. Is, this is a fear I live with though, as Caitlin keeps reminding me, I'm going to see Paul McCartney in December. And she's like, and I was, oh, thank you. I'm so excited. But I was like, oh, you know, this is, this is like my one chance. Um, I'm so excited. And Caitlin's like, yeah, well, you're probably not going to see him again, are you? And I was like, I might. And then I was like, actually. I was like, I'm sorry, let's be a bit realistic. I no, but the, the worst bit about that is Paul McCartney is actually younger than my dad. So I was like, Caitlin, like, <laughs> just chill out on the everyone's going to die thing. I didn't mean he was going to die. I meant, like, you know, like, Paul, last, hang in there, hang in there, Paul. Last hurrah. Like, you know, I mean, he's allowed to retire before he dies. And he might never travel. I know. Exactly. Yeah, he that's doesn't, true. He's, not, he's obviously not Australian. He's British. So, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I was just like, wow, Caitlin, I mean, I know he's older, but just, ooh, (laughs) I think he's still got lots of energy. I mean, I feel like people like that, though, and like the Rolling Stones, it's just so hard to imagine a world without them. I know. I don't want to imagine that. Because, like, no one was ready for David Bowie and George Michael. Oh, 2016 was such a horrible year for deaths. Which is funny because... I mean, we're always... We need to put our favourite authors in the cocoon and, yeah. and keep them yeah. safe. Just keep them safe. With Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe I've never thought about that before. Now I'm, like, so scared. <laughs> Actually, I don't think that you think about it until you see what one of your favourite authors looks like. Okay, they're mm. older, what they look like now. And this happened to me at BEA because um, Stephen King was a guest at one of the breakfasts. Yeah. Um, That's so cool. And Everybody, live your life to the fullest. Yay! Live your best life. Exactly, and read the books that make you happy. Exactly. Because someone tells you you should read them. 
Caitlin, this oh. is why I mark books as do not finish, and we have this argument all the time. But like, there, life is too short for bad books. So, beyond a t-shirt or something, I'm sure it probably is, but we should all wear it. Yes, definitely. Yep, I'm gonna look it up. If not, that's your first bit of book. Better words, bookish merch. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Tanil. Um, where can people find you if they want to follow you? Um, so I am on both Twitter and Instagram, not with my blog name, but with my name, um, Tanil Helena. So that's T O N I L E H E L E N A. I don't know why I sound confused. I should know how to spell my name. <laughs> oh my um, god, I hate that. I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. When people say, "How old are you?" Like twenty-eight. Yeah. How old um, are you? Am I? <laughs> Thank you for listening to Better Words. If you enjoyed this episode, please go subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also remember to follow us on social media at Better Words Pod and check out our website, betterwordspodcast.com. Thank you.